Hello everyone, once again here in the nice uh, podcast, a podcast where we discuss about the business of fashion, this crazy industry that we are in. And uh, as you know, we try to bring interesting people to, to, the post, to the podcast coming from different backgrounds. And today we thought uh, it was uh, a good idea to bring uh, someone from an, a sector, let's say, in the fashion industry that is super hot now, which is secondhand sales in the fashion industry. And to do so, we are super lucky to have a, a friend and a reference for me, for sure. Someone that I asked 2,000 questions not so long ago, um, who is uh, Lourdes Ferrer, the CEO and founder at Percentil. Lourdes, thank you very much for being with us today. Thanks to you. I, I feel especially lucky to be here. I, 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 thought, I thought you were going to call me before. But I'm I'm happy. I'm happy now. <laughs> we are keeping our ACES for, for later. Okay. <laughs> okay, for so for, for those who don't know you, uh, Lourdes, what is Percentil? <clears throat> well, uh, we founded this company in 2012. So you can imagine it was a moment where uh, secondhand was uh, was was something very crazy for a startup. So what we do is we buy and sell secondhand clothing online uh, on a managed marketplace business model, which means uh, that we buy and sell, but we intermediate. So we do all the work for both uh, shoppers and sellers. We collect the clothes from, from the uh, private people's homes or picking points. Uh, we receive the clothes in our warehouse. We open the bags. We identify those items that are perfect to be sold in our in our platform, so everything has to be almost like new. We we assign a lot of features. We take a lot of pictures. We store those items in our warehouse, and then we publish them in our in our platform, and we sell them as if it was a, a normal fashion store, mm -hmm. with the specialty that every item that gets sold. Uh, we pay a percentage of the of the price that the shopper paid for it. We pay it to the seller, and that we uh, have around nine thousand different brands uh, normally active in the shop, and we already received around sixty thousand brands in these eleven years. Uh, we are present in Spain, France, and Germany, and we've experienced. Uh, how uh, secondhand has been booming no, in, the, in the past years. Amazing. Amazing. So that's pretty much what makes you different from other like secondhand platforms like Vinted or, or yeah. other companies, right? That you manage the whole process. Yeah, that's it. So I tend to uh, exactly to explain it like that. No, So everybody knows Vinted. So, <clears throat> so, so it's like Vinted, but with the difference that we do all the work. And our um, our goal is to make it really massive, so to make the most amount of people to change their their shopping habit, and especially in fashion, uh, which uh, uh, makes so much harm in the environment. Uh, and to make it really massive, we think that we have to make it really, really easy, you know, and mm -hmm. that everyone has the time or the or or the will to be taking the pictures, answering messages from from other potential shoppers that ask you to lower the price and that kind of stuff. Yeah, great. So, so is that why you started Percentil, trying to, to be part of that change or, or what was the reason? Well, it was 
part of my way of consuming or my way of living. I always liked secondhand. Uh, and I became a mother of twins uh, back in 2008. And we, uh, we had a lot of expenses, and we, but, but we also believed in it. So we bought uh, the trolley. The trolley was secondhand uh, and many different things. And regarding clothes, so we, we saw that the only option that we had was buying clothes from eBay at that time. So it was very complicated and you needed to buy like a group of clothes um, and it, it, it could take up to two, three weeks to receive something home. Um, we, we saw that in, in the US and in north, north of Europe. So this kind of business model was, was already existing and, and was successful. So we thought, even though in Spain there's no much, not much environmental consciousness, mm-hmm. it's an, a financial crisis. So people were needing to buy really cheap. So we thought it was a good moment. Mm-hmm. And how were those first steps? Like, what were like the first challenges? And, um, when you start a business, like I, I, I always say, it's like the sweetest moment, no? Because, or at least for me, because I enjoy so much building things from scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so there's no, there's no issue. Everything is a challenge, you know, because you have nothing. And especially for us, we had no company uh, close to us that could uh, be a reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we needed to learn everything on our own. Um, we needed to find out. So the first first challenge was to get money from investors, no? Mm-hmm. Because um, secondhand, uh, nobody believed in it. Uh, it was a little too early. It's also true that when you have, like, a, as an entrepreneur, when you have big companies in the U.S. that are doing a good work, like that's also uh, adds up something for the investors, no? Yeah. Uh, so, so I believe that was one of the reasons why they invested on us, uh, and it was challenging to create all that process. No, they create all the process uh, where you receive the clothes and you uh, add all these different features. I remember, like the first year, we were adding all these picture features into an Excel file, and it was seven people at the same time working against the same. Excel file in real time. So. <laughs> companies were built upon Excel. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great tool. So, is it hard yeah. to start like a second-hand business like bootstrap it, or, or do you think it's like mandatory to raise funds, like in the early stages of the of the company? Well, it depends so much, no, on the on the business model. In, in our case, uh, it was really, really tough to make it profitable. So to, to be growing organically at that moment uh, on our own without investment, no? So, so this kind of strategy where you try to add more value so that when you get investment, the, the company has a higher valuation, for example, no? Uh, it was not possible in our case. And at the same time, we didn't want to do it like, we didn't want to do it like that. Because it's my my third entrepreneurship, and I already bootstrapped on the on the first two. So I really wanted to to try a different type of entrepreneurship. 
um, bootstrapping is really hard. So, uh, and I think like for uh, such a, an ambitious project now where you really want to make, a, create a revolution around the fashion industry, mm-hmm. uh, you, you cannot do it on your own. And, and and it was really important at that time to be the to be the leaders, no? Mm. Uh, which which took us to be able to get uh, money from the best investors, uh, and was a blocker for our competitors too. Mm. No, and if you see the industry, or at least what, what I've seen, like Threda, Vinted, or even mm. Wallapop, which is not specifically fashion, but they do also fashion. Mm. All of them raised loads of money to yeah yeah, be, and they still and they still do. And still, yeah. Yeah. Do you think this is like a winner-takes-all kind of market? Like one competitor will be like leading the market and uh, then there will be like smaller companies or do you think there's like space for, for many competitors? I think there's space uh, because uh, it depends on how much secondhand clothing you are able to source, no? Mm-hmm. So it's more like a sourcing kind of business. Um, and if uh, it's 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 a it's a real good question because thinking long term, um, if if uh, if the fashion industry uh, moves towards what they will need to move because of the regulation, European regulation that is coming, to a, a kind of product that is more long lasting, and the customer is uh, educated well enough to be able to keep that clothes home because mo- many clothes are, are being thrown away because of because we don't uh, take care of them correctly, mm-hmm. uh, then we will have a higher proportion of the items that have been uh, produced that can be then reused. No? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that makes the secondhand fashion industry that maybe could be like being positive, uh, looking into the future, uh, at least half as big as the as the first-hand uh, uh, fashion industry. No, so uh, now uh, there are very few play- players, even though some of them are not so small. There's no. a big company in Germany, for example. I mean, in Europe, uh, and there's another one in in Bulgaria, which is the one that <clears throat> ThreadUp acquired, no, and one and a half years ago. Um, but they are still really, really small compared to what we have in the in the fashion industry, no. So um, I think uh, I think it's not easy for for a company in on itself to be able to cope with all the sourcing machine that is needed to collect uh, all the secondhand clothing. Mm-hmm. How big is it now? Like if we if we consider. Mm. 100 garments being sold right now, how many of them would be secondhand? Approx. Wow. I don't have that, that figure, but uh, they say that uh, in the in the closets, in average, there's 5%, 5% secondhand. 5%? Uh, 5% globally. But oh, I think uh, Europe, Europe, is low, Europe is lower. So, it, yeah, yeah. So that comes from uh, numbers from the U.S. <clears throat> so, the, but but it's changing. So it's and not only for secondhand, also like the rental services and so on. Mm-hmm. With, in that that business models models are even slower, no, right yeah. now than what we are achieving on secondhand. 
Yeah, yeah. That's, that's loads of space to grow. That, yeah, yeah. I, th I thought it was bigger, like, to be honest. I thought it was already like 10 to 15% or something like that. Less than five. No, maybe, yeah. Maybe in the US, but not, not in Europe. Mm -hmm. And to understand how, how did like a percentile grow, let's say, in these years, uh, taking into account, I don't know, like number of references that you've been or processing or selling, whatever uh, you can tell us, to understand mm -hmm. how you grew from 2014 up to today, uh, mm -hmm. understand up the volume of garments that you can be uh, handling, what, yeah. what would what, uh, those numbers be? Yeah, we were very lucky because we had this magical number when we had our 10th anniversary last year that we achieved the figure of having filtered 10 million items already. 10 million items. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah it's crazy. So um, this, this number has grown a lot since we are starting to handle uh, clothing that comes from from business to business, no? Since yeah. we're starting to partner with companies, uh, the, the capacity uh, big companies have of collecting, that's why we were talking about um, uh, the, the difference between first-hand and second-hand, no? And how, how important they are uh, on making, also making the revolution possible, no? And how we need to go together. Uh, now we are collecting um, around 50 tons monthly from from companies, um, the main ones being CNA and, and Tendam, especially Springfield, mm -hmm. where we grew the the uh, the partnership to to almost 70 shops in Spain and Portugal this year. Okay. Uh, and we are we are talking with many companies. You know, B2B is never fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But how, so going back to this B2B business, how does it work? Yeah, we, we offer, well, first of all, which is something we didn't speak about yet, we were, a, so my, our main shareholder is an a industrial partner, a, which is a very big company a, with headquarters in Switzerland called TechSafe. They are 50 years old. It's a family business that has become very big, 1,000 employees, um, and they have different companies throughout Europe and uh, also in the, U in the U.S. And their main expertise has to do with uh, sorting clothes, uh, clothing sorting. No? So they have sorting plants in, in Europe, different countries, uh, where they uh, collect clothes from containers, 13,000 containers in Europe. Uh, and 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 they have partnerships with with uh, more than 300 companies. So they they source. I think it's something like 200 and something million tons a year. Million tons. Million tons. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, so I I can say especially now that uh, it's a very good uh, partner to have. Uh, it, it wasn't so clear when we started uh, working with them because they are like completely B2B. Mm -hmm. uh, but now that we are focusing more on this, so we, it's easier that we go with, together with them because they have experience in all sorts of partnerships. Mm -hmm. So when I say all sorts, if, is, uh, they are able to create uh, clothing ranges from post-consumer uh, uh, 
clothing waste, no? They are able to uh, give uh, services regarding overstock to companies, regarding uh, res reselling uh, secondhand clothing that they collect from the shops. Uh, they can also create pop-up stores in, in retail stores uh, throughout Europe. Uh, and we now in Spain, the, the main service we are offering from Percentil has to do with what we in the sector call the take-back system, which is collecting the clothes from the shops, mm -hmm. sometimes directly from the shops, sometimes from their logistics centers. They, mm -hmm. they join it there and we collect it from there. Uh, and then we're starting to offer uh, also digital services like being able to offer uh, value-added value services to, to their customers like uh, so uh, we can offer for free to collect their clothes from their homes and, and when, the, when the clothes come to our warehouse then we can offer different kinds of uh, like affiliation programs with them or converting the, the personal money into the brand's money. So there are so many different things that we are talking about. Uh, these digital services, we haven't started yet, mm -hmm. but uh, we are talking like with five, six different companies since one year ago. Uh, I hope at least half of them, uh, we close something. <laughs> uh, yeah, shortly. Uh, I, I think we will because everyone is very interested. And, and we've been noticing, uh, so when, when I started knocking into the doors two years ago in this sense, and companies were telling me, well, we are a big company, everything moves so slowly, it's really interesting, but I, I will let you know if, if it moves and so on. Now it's, now it's like, when, when are we doing this? When are we doing this? It, it still goes slow. But the but the interest is is much. And, but what what's like the business model like? So you charge like a monthly fee to the brands for this like uh, making this uh, secondhand process. Uh, you activate the like a kind of a shopping shop inside the e-commerce of the brand where they can do this secondhand, but it's powered by you in the back end. So how, how's like the business model? Well, first thing, let's say, you know, you know, I, I like to be very honest, you know, with everything I, I talk about with my business and around. And first of all, let's say that what we're doing here is like a long term investment. No, mm -hmm. so it's it, it's not something that's changing our life uh, in terms of profitability. No, mm -hmm. for us, uh, we are really flexible on offering different kind of partnerships to the companies uh, uh, money-wise, let's say. Um, it, depends, it depends a lot on the quality of the, of the clothes we are collecting, depending mm -hmm. on that. So we usually have like this six months uh, uh, testing period where, where we are ourselves currently are assuming the risk of paying for all that, collecting all those clothes, no? because those clothes could be a really bad quality. And it could be, we could lose money there, uh, but we think it makes sense. And we also have a big company behind no, to support that risk. Um, and then if the, if, the, if the quality of the clothing we are collecting pays the, uh, the, the collection of the, of the clothes, the sorting and so on, uh, our, our goal will be, would be to be able to source clothing at an easier way, at a, a more scalable way, 
imagine, so every time we collect uh, clothes from a, from a private seller, it has mm -hmm. to be one by one. Mm -hmm. uh, Often, like when the, when when it's the change closet change period, we we need to invest in marketing to be able to get those clothes. So that that's an extra cost. If we partner with a big company, we are able to scale that a lot. No, in terms of of costs, even though the quality we get from those is much worse than the one we are getting with a private sellers that know our project, they are committed to us, they receive like, like there's more, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure like there's a marketing, perfect marketing word for this, but there's not so much like a, a closeness with the brand, no, with our brand. And people, I, I like to say that people tend to be quite, a, quite rule compliant, no? So mm -hmm. when you tell them to do something on a particular way, they tend to want to do it correctly, no? Yeah, I agree. Well, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but, okay, super, super clear. But then, because um, I see there's loads of uh, brands trying it on their own or, or at least starting to do these steps or like, hey, you can leave your, like me, Borja, I can leave my whatever brand t-shirt in the store, I get like a, a voucher, like a 20 euro voucher to, to spend in the store. And they out, like they open this e-commerce site. Like if it, if it was like an outlet, but instead of outlet, it's like a uh, secondhand uh, um, site, no? So the question is, do you think that this is going to be more and more and more common? And do you think if the answer is yes, do you think it's going to be more like brand-led or do you think they, they will be looking for more partners like Percentil to help them in this journey? I think they're crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> I think, I think well, if, if, if I put myself in their place, I can more or less understand why they're, they're doing it. First of all, because they, uh, they think there's not, it's not so difficult. And mm -hmm. second, because they, they, they want to test it. No, if, if, what what's how how do their customer customers receive it? Uh, what kind of quality they receive? Um, but in the end, so I have several examples in the industry from companies, some uh, middle-sized company, and some of them really really big with big press releases going on that everyone was talking about. So what happened with this company? Um, and uh, and they stopped it. Because what happens is that uh, it's so uh, you need to be so excellent in this business model, model to be able to make it profitable. Mm -hmm. That uh, on this like economic uh, crisis times we are living, uh, you don't want something in your balance that makes your numbers look worse, no? Mm -hmm. So uh, and it's also very uh, focus consuming. And what's happening is that uh, there's uh, very uh, good intentions from the uh, managers, from the companies, from the, the CEOs. Uh, like it sounds really good, no? To start a secondhand uh, project on their own and so on. Uh, and and I, I even spoke with, with like, I don't know, the COO for a company, the CTO, and they tell me, yeah, I know that it would be better to do it with you, but but our CEO is so uh, obsessed with this idea, no? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
and right. yeah and uh, i know i know this is real because they they do come back no they do come back asking for help mm -hmm. Mm. well that that's in any case i believe that it's also good news for you if even brands mm. do it uh, on their own they are at yeah. least educating the, the the customer no the the buyer and the seller that this is an option so i believe yeah that's that's also a, a good news but when you say that they fail i don't need to know the, the names no but where do you think they fail in this process? Is it like with the sourcing of good garments? Is it with the quality control? Is it with selling then those garments? Where do you think like the, the key uh, issue or the hardest issue is for them? Well, it's a, it's a business model that is very intense on customer service related to the seller. To the seller. Uh, yeah. So this, this kind of companies I'm thinking about, they have no, they don't have the issue of being able to receive a lot of traffic or, or a lot of clothes because they have the, the customer database. So that's not an issue. Mm -hmm. um, but being able to give a good service to the seller so that this seller experience does not uh, uh, damage the shopper experience mm -hmm. uh, is not so easy, no? Uh, and then, uh, and then they come to the situation where they realize that they have always been moving on the, uh, let's say, like the sweet side or the soft side, uh, where they were offering uh, nice garments at a decent price, uh, with good logistics and delivering on a fast speed and so on. And then they have something uh, with which the customers are not so happy, no? Mm -hmm. Because maybe they expect that they are going to be paid more. Um, so many items are being rejected because their shoppers do not like them. Uh, so it's a complete different business model. Mm -hmm. And there's also this, this other part, which is the operations. So mm -hmm. you also need to be excellent in operations. The, so you know that to, back in 2016, we bought a German company these uh, kind of crazy things we used to do. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this company was, and, and they were German, eh? so, and they were like very committed with the process and so on. Well, their, their, um, their, their efficiency in the process, and they, they had been doing that for four years. Uh, it was four times less efficient than, than us. Uh, and, uh, and and talking to a couple of companies that already tried to do this, uh, and also even like our main shareholders who also tried, mm -hmm. um, it's uh, it's very very difficult HR wise to cope with the uh, different periods like the peak periods and the valley periods mm -hmm. where you are receiving more or less uh, clothes. Uh, where you have uh, a, a process that has different stages, four or five different stages, uh, and you need to cope with the different profiles uh, to see if they are versatile to be able to combine one role with another whenever mm -hmm. you have uh, sick leaves, uh, holidays, whatever, if you try to make that uh, to solve that with temporary workers, for example, that uh, makes the, the cost go up mm -hmm. and the business model cannot uh, accept that mm -hmm. because margins are so low. So there's a lot of different issues related to that, uh, which in the end makes it 
less attractive. It's not, it's not what they've been doing and it's not something. So these kind of companies, they are normally experts in logistics because they have a, a big online uh, part no, in their structure. Um, but uh, they, and, and they, and they think they're able, no, because at, uh, in the end it's a logistic factory. Mm-hmm. No, it's like a fulfillment factory, only mm-hmm. with a different uh, kind of process. Um, but they think they are going to become millionaire uh, like this, and it's not—it's not that easy because it takes um, um, a, a change of mentality in the population, mm-hmm. and it will take, I think, maybe ten to twenty years to really make this happen. Uh, so, so you really need to believe in this long term. As a mm. company. Mm. I agree. I agree. Now, I know that it's going to be uh, repetitive for you because I've seen the process and it's, I have to say it's amazing. It's crazy how you were able to industrialize uh, all these garment processing. But uh, to get a better understanding, could you explain us like what happens when you get a bag of clothes from a seller? Because um, this is something yeah. that makes it different from what mm-hmm. other people have in mind, no? like a vintage or... Mm-hmm. or to see or appear to be a process, no, you're not appear to be. Yeah, yeah. So what, what happens there? Okay, you haven't been in the new warehouse though. No, which is much more impressive. I have to say, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that because I was in the small one and I remember that you told me like this is like the trial because we want to go. <laughs> Lourdes yeah. is not from Madrid. Yeah, yeah. So we have we currently have 130,000 unique references in the in the in the warehouse. So when someone wants to give a second life to their clothes, uh, they go into our website. Mm-hmm. Like this is a normal experience, not with a company, uh, the, not with partnerships with companies. So they go into our website. They uh, they can either ask for what we call like a shop uh, selling kit, or they can uh, send the clothes in their own box or bag if they don't want to wait for the. We we send this kit. Uh, folded in an envelope so it can fit in the mailbox uh, and they everything for free so they they receive this kit like in around they they receive it in spain france and, or germany uh, they receive it in around four to five days uh, in that envelope they can they have all the instructions of what kind of clothes we we can accept we accept almost all brands Mm-hmm. So the, we only don't accept brands that are really, really cheap firsthand. So imagine if a T-shirt costed you five euro, uh, how for how much can you sell it, no, secondhand? Yeah. So we don't cover our costs with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so uh, summarizing, we ask them to send clothes that are uh, that look like new, no. Mm-hmm. And, and I, has, I have to say that the boxes I used you. And the box is super big. I think I put like in the in that box in that bucket. I think it was like more than fifty garments. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it came to my house like in this small envelope. So yeah, yeah, yeah. People get surprised because they they, they tend to want more than one. Mm-hmm. And we say in the website like they it's they yeah, fit yeah. an average of forty <laughs> items. <laughs> and it's like this. And then I did like 25, 25. Oh, you are the two. I was of myself. Yeah. Not being you. That I was like, there's no, I'm super big. There's no way that like 50 garments are entering in this box. They, they do. 
it's amazing and if you hold it so you can see that it's like the maximum weight someone can carry walking into the street no yes. <laughs> <Without dying. laughs> yeah so so then we give the option of uh, collecting the the clothes from the people's homes directly mm -hmm. or uh, they can take it to a to a picking point Mm -hmm. So they just go into our site. We ask for they ask for the collection. We collect it on the next day after they ask ask for it. Mm -hmm. So it's like luxury service, magic. Yeah, yeah, no, someone going there? I got the I got the box like in two two to three days. It was yeah, I know, yeah. And someone going to your house and you just handle the the clothes. So so it cannot be easier, and you don't have to pay a penny. Mm -hmm. So uh, then it arrives to our warehouse. <clears throat> we receive on a daily basis around 5,000 items. Um, uh, we open the, the bag. We identify each one of the... the uh, we, we filter the items to see if they uh, accomplish our requirements. Mm -hmm. uh, more or less around half of them do, which is a lot. Half so, of them do, the other half... The what, other half, what, what we do, like originally when we started the business or in the first five, five six years, we donated all the clothes uh, and there were even like social projects that were built from scratch uh, to assume all the clothing that we were able to, to give to them. And it was uh, really amazing the, the, the amount of projects that we were able to, to achieve there. We donated three, mil three million. Uh, items but then uh, it came the moment where the investors told us that we needed to be profitable <laughs> so, <laughs> so then in that magic period ended, yeah yeah so we needed to look for different solutions because we were collecting the, those clothes for free no and that's so expensive so what we now do is we uh, we handle those clothes back to our shareholder because they are experts on this. So being able to separate all those clothes so that uh, from from this 50% that we send them, they are able to reuse in other markets 60%. So that, that's already a lot. So we wouldn't be able to sell those uh, online because online, like things need to be perfect because you need to offer free returns, you know how that is. Mm -hmm. So if, if it has a tiny flow or whatever, then it could be a problem. Mm -hmm. So uh, so they get that, uh, they pay cents for, for every kilo, but, but that gives us some money to be able to recover the costs of collecting the, the clothes for free. And then there's a small percentage of customers that we call the VIP sellers. Uh, that are especially good to us because they either se send us very good stuff that sells very quickly or they send luxury items or they uh, send uh, items that are very well filtered so they have a, a low re rejection rate. Mm -hmm. uh, we uh, donate those clothes, those rejected clothes to different social uh, projects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, is there any like Pareto rule here? Like, not like eighty percent of our income comes from twenty percent of brands or twenty percent of types of apparel. Like, do you have these kind of rules or like best sellers or something like that? 
or is it super spread between? It's quite spread in terms of sales, uh, and uh, it's very interesting because we 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 do sell a lot of winter items in in summer and vice versa. Yeah, it's not uh, like we don't sell the same, of course, yeah. but it's not like opposite. It's not like you are publishing clothes from the opposite season and you are not selling any, so yeah. you're still selling selling a lot. Okay. Uh, so that kind of rule we have it with with the brands. Mm -hmm. So I said that we have eight to nine thousand active brands, but like twenty percent of the brands represent eighty percent of the stock. No? Okay, and, and that's like more like fashion, like high end luxury brands, or is it like mid market brands? I would like it to be more luxury, okay. <laughs> but it's not. So luxury brands represent uh, around. Five seven percent. Okay. Uh, we have eight different price ranges, uh, but the majority of the of the of the brands are, let's say, like Sarah price, you know? mm -hmm. similar to Sarah. And it's uh, very interesting because I have one of my uh, female entrepreneurs from a group I belong. They mm -hmm. say, look, person deal is not buying and selling secondhand. Clothes is a, a huge a fashion database, sociological study, you know? So it's um, a, what you see in person deal is every, everyone's closer, mm. really, you know, from each one of the markets. Yeah. So, so, for example, Sarah, uh, Sarah Mango and H&M, only those three represent 20% of the shop. <laughs> That's amazing. It's one crazy. day you will end up selling data. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are pure B two B, but data seller. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Data is like our gold mine that that we're keeping, mm -hmm. especially when we've been like uh, we started working on everything related to pricing algorithms mm -hmm. uh, quite quite early, like mm -hmm. back in 2014 when we were only two years old. Yeah, and this was not uh, like mainstream like it is today. No, no, and I well still today when I talk to these like dynamic pricing companies, mm -hmm. they look at me with open eyes like, "What are you fucking talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> we were doing this like ten years ago. No? Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. I I mean, like this is what what keeps me in no in the project so so many challenges yeah. so we start we started so early um, and we've collected collected so much data regarding everything that you would like to do that has to do with artificial intelligent intelligence and machine learning so mm -hmm. we keep all the pictures from uh, almost forever uh, all the features all the uh, different inputs on the products visits from 10 years ago, imagine. <laughs> and this amount of garments, like thousands and thousands and thousands of garments. So. Yeah, so when I say we, we manage 10 million items, mm -hmm. so that's like the global number, no? But but we almost sold 5, mil 5 million. So 5 million have been published in the site and have their own data points uh, that we can, you can use for so many purposes, no? Yeah, crazy, yeah. crazy. Yeah. And going to the customer side of things, because we didn't cover the customer that much, but I mean customer, yeah. the buyer. 
you you in the end you're not only a, a you're like a two-sided marketplace. No, you need sellers and you need buyers. You need both. And I'm surprised because we've been talking a lot about the business in general, or even like a B2B perspective. But you you said quite a lot of times there's a challenge in the sourcing. There's a challenge with the seller. The seller is not that easy. So do you think like the biggest challenge is the seller or 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 the buyer to you? Well, uh, it's true that uh, managing the seller is a is a challenge, mm -hmm. but it's also true that there are no no, and I I think I can say this completely. They, there are no other solutions as easy as ours. No, mm -hmm. so where you, you have it so easy and you have it for free, mm -hmm. that someone collects that from your homes. So even though our MP, seller NPS is not the best, because mm -hmm. we have a great shopper NPS, uh, but the seller is not the same, but they still send us their clothes. Mm -hmm. So um, the main challenge still is on the part of uh, that buying secondhand clothing is still not mainstream. Mm -hmm. So that a majority of people still think whether uh, clothes are going to be dirty uh, or they, they still have. So there's a big challenge also related to how deep secondhand clothing uh, inventory is, no? How deep mm -hmm. in the user experience, no? Mm -hmm. um, that makes it vital that you have uh, strong recommendation tools that make uh, customers go really deep into the catalog. Uh, and there's also another challenge which is uh, related to SEO. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I faced the same thing with my previous company uh, that was even, even freaker, which we, we sold secondhand uh, no, second hand, no. Um, uh, items and clothing for families with twins and triplets. And <laughs> a niche inside the niche. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but it's a good example to illustrate this, which is uh, you are trying to create something that does not exist. So, nobody mm. was selling this kind of stuff online. Uh, so, nobody was looking for it. Mm. And the same happens with or happened until a short ago with secondhand, no? Uh, so I remember with the twins that uh, afterwards when we, we were so working so hard with the SEO and, and then when someone was looking for something about twins in the internet, we had the complete first and second, second pages in Google. <laughs> <laughs> there was nobody else yeah. yeah but but that does not happen now no and so so what happens now in our business model compared to a pure marketplace for example mm -hmm. uh, they 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 have so much more inventory that can help on the long tail seo no and that's 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 a big competition on the traffic acquisition mm -hmm. So if you would go back in time, would you be focusing first in the seller and then wait for the buyer to come in? Or you, you would have focused on the on the buyer first? I know you have to if, focus on both at the same time, no? Yeah, but yeah. one, which one? You mean you? if I created the company today, for example? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mm, very difficult question <laughs> because because I, I I also have this theory where I, I feel like 
for every business model, you need to focus on the need that's so obvious, no? on the mm -hmm. real need. And where do you have the real need? It's not on buying clothes. So people don't need to buy secondhand clothes. Mm -hmm. uh, because why why would someone buy secondhand clothes? Because they because it's cheap, and because it's more environmental friendly. The mm -hmm. more environmental friendly friendly part, we said it's still minimum, no? Yeah. Uh, on the on people's minds, uh, and the cheap part. So it's crazy the amount of uh, discounts uh, retail fashion is applying, especially mm -hmm. this. Uh, this time, no, uh, you know why? Like we could go uh, talking a lot about that's that. Another, no? That's another podcast. That's right. another podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I think that when uh, you are able to cover the need people have of getting rid of their clothes that they don't want to wear anymore, they create their account. They already know your platform. They have their things, their data, their address, their whatever inside, you are communicating with them, then you have them. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you can build whatever. Mm -hmm. But you were able to, to catch their, their, their need, no? Mm -hmm. Which is where everything starts. Mm -hmm. Okay, but if we go to the, to the buyer side, now that the seller is kind of clear, Who's your buyer? Like who's buying from Percentilo? Who's the customer? Because I, I think that by asking this, I'm going to get surprised because it's probably not going to match what I think. So, what do you think? So um, easy answer would be a 35 to 45 year old woman, uh, super conscious with the like super environmental friendly and doing this as a way to fight against fashion establishment. That's, that's like what my heart wants to answer. Uh, my, my brain tells me that it's probably going to be younger, super price sensitive, and uh, even looking to wear uh, cool stuff that it's been uh, outdated now, but you know that fashion is cycle, no? So probably it's not It's not so far away from your heart answer. Okay. Uh, yeah, because we started. <laughs> so the, there's still hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we started with kids' clothing, so we have a lot of moms. Mm. Uh, and people uh, are, are be, becoming a mom later nowadays. Yeah. So, uh, so our, like, our ways, no? our, our best shoppers are between 30 to even 50 years. Um, and and uh, and many moms. So, like sixty percent of our customers are moms. Okay. Uh, and that's uh, oh. that's been, uh, at least of, of our active customers mm -hmm. because they uh, buy for for the, for them for their kids and for their uh, husbands or couples. For the whole family, yeah. <laughs> for the whole family. So the repetition rate is is much bigger. So they are much more profitable for us. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think they are, they are so much environmental friendly. So that would be like our ideal customer. But they do buy because of the pricing and they, are, uh, and they find like special things and so on that, that they don't find in, in other websites. Mm -hmm. And I also think that it's sometimes what it happens is like 
you may not be a very like environmental conscious uh, person in your normal life, but mm -hmm. then, then you start buying in a shop that is interesting for you for other reason, yeah. for example, in this case, price. And mm -hmm. then you realize that you're feeling good by doing that. And yeah. then you do it more because it copes with both uh, needs, no? the price and the... Fully agree with this idea. And I was discussing with this, about this with a friend saying that um, uh, he said that uh, like sustainability in general is not like such a driver to make the purchase. And I was telling him, I agree, agree. But it's probably a, a huge tool for retention. That it's Absolutely. not like that. Like Absolutely. you see uh, sustainability in the news and it's like, damn it, put it in the newsletter to your current customers. Yeah, like, yeah. To doing this, you achieve this, no? Thanks to buying, you did this, or you had this environmental impact. That's probably the powerful tool nowadays. We are not ready as customers to do extra yeah. prices or assume extra prices for sustainability, but we are uh, to complement the rest of the brand experience. So that's... Yeah, absolutely. And that's so strong and so powerful. So if you if you ask my team, they yeah. will tell you I'm constantly, but where's the space for the envir environment uh, sentence, no? Because uh, until, I don't know, 2017, 2018, we were buying and selling secondhand clothing and we were not talking about climate at all. Yeah. And yeah. then one day I realized that Everyone was talking about sustainability because they were delivering with cardboard boxes. And I was like, but am I stupid? <laughs> 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 no, and it's like, but, but so changing, changing the way I say this, like, um, uh, it's also important that uh, to be, to sound honest to your current customer. So nothing sounds more honest that you are adding value with something something that is real. So you're selling them secondhand clothes, uh, and you are not tell, talking about environment in the first uh, time they talk. You talk to them, so you are really offering a real service, a real product. And then afterwards, uh, you know what? With this, what you did, we achieved this together, and so on. No? Mm. Mm. Super interesting. Super interesting. Mm. Okay, Lourdes, we're getting to the end of the podcast, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, so before we close up, before I ask you like a couple of closing questions, I wanted to invite you to share anything else if you want that you think it's uh, interesting for you or if you want to send any message to, to the world, um, stage, stage is, is yours. Mm -hmm. I would say... Um... When you when you find out you discovered uh, so for the final consumer no when you discovered a brand you connect with um, and um, and you and you see it's something valuable to you mm -hmm. uh, be generous and share it with the with the people no because uh, I see often that people go to, into person deal and as uh, every item is unique. They don't want to share it with their friends. <laughs> so please, so the bigger we are, uh, the more time we will be able to give you a good service and a good product. Uh, and we we will be able to extend the, this, this, this way of, of consuming. Mm -hmm. And for the companies, uh, please uh, don't waste your time. Come to us. We are experts. We have been doing this for the past 11 years. Uh, and uh, you will see that we will be a great partner. 
Amazing, amazing. Well, people out there, there you go. <laughs> okay, and to close up, I'm going to be asking you a bit of uh, weird questions, probably that we like asking. Okay. Uh, it's going to be quick, I promise. So the first one is, which is your favorite moment in fashion history? And it can be past or it can be future. For example, to me, is Michael Jordan launching its own brand. To me, that was a game changer. Wow. So I need to improvise this one. Yeah. Uh, so the best moment in fashion industry. Um, so uh, now I'm uh, remembering uh, and I'm improvising. Probably after the podcast, I will think about it and I will say, I should have said whatever. <laughs> uh, but the moment the, the needle was invented, no? Okay. So the needle that was invented out of bone and it was the first step for the human being to be able to uh, wear clothes yeah. and uh, protect themselves themselves for, from climate and and also from from fights from other animals and so on. Mm. Uh, that started everything, no? So that's when fashion started. I have to say that's I think the best answer I got so far. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, which is your next question? Which is your favorite garment? Uh, the dress. Dresses? Okay. Yeah, dresses because I'm a lazy person in terms <laughs> of wearing every day. You know, this, uh, this, the, when fashion designers dress all of, with all of, on black, yeah. And you say, but why are they so creative and then they're not with themselves? I'm that kind. So I would wear an, a uniform every day. So if, if I have to wear a dress, I, it's just less pieces, no? Yeah, it's only one decision. Yeah. It's only one decision, that's right. Good answer. Okay, which is your, or if you had to recommend a book or a TV series, which one would it be? Uh, I like very much uh, minimalism, for example. Okay. Uh, it's a documentary, Netflix documentary. Uh -huh. It makes you aware of uh, how few things you really need uh, on a daily basis. Please, mm -hmm. customers, don't tell me now that I'm constantly throwing promotions on your <laughs> <laughs> But I really recommend this one, and I think it's also 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 related. To, to being conscious on, on how you consume and how you live. Mm -hmm. Okay, makes sense. Okay, uh, the next one, and there's only two left, uh, It's the next one is going to be, which one would be your favorite or a quote that you have super, like, tattooed in your brain? Um, well, I'm going to kill you, you know this. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> You, the best thing here is to improvise. It's making natural. So. Okay, I could improvise. It, 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 like, I mean, that's a quote that you can use. Uh, I'm thinking one that I like a lot, but I'm not sure uh, what the exact sentence is, which is uh, uh, about Groucho Marx, mm -hmm. which is uh, these are my conditions. And if you don't like it, don't worry, I have another one. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much B2B sales, like in a sentence. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and the last one, and with this we'll say goodbye. Um, 
Uh, Lourdes, if you had to think of someone we should try to bring to the podcast, who would you nominate? In the fashion industry, of course. Um, mm, mm, mm. Uh, I would nominate, there's someone I, I met a uh, short ago, but mm -hmm. she impressed me a, a lot, mm -hmm. uh, who is uh, Carolina Arellano, I think it's the surname. Mm -hmm. She's the she's the brand manager of Springfield, mm -hmm. and she's she's been working in the fashion industry uh, for long. Mm -hmm. uh, I think she has a lot of interesting things to talk about. Okay, amazing. We will contact her. I can promise. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, everyone, thank you very much for being there with us, uh, and especially thank you, Lourdes, for for your time. It was amazing listening to you and I hope this is only the first one of many. Thank you very much. Yeah, I hope so. Thanks for inviting me. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.